0: Greatness. That is the only way one can describe Israel Adesanya after last night. The narrative of his rivalry with Alex Pereira was going to define him and his legacy either way at UFC 287, and when everything was on the line, Stylebender delivered arguably the highlight of his entire career up to this point. But what does this all mean? Should they fight again right away? If not, then who would be next? There is so much to talk about here, and I'm so excited that we're just going to get right into it. I'm Tommy from MMA on Point, and the King has returned to the middle division. Before I get to discuss the implications of that massive middleweight title fight, though, we need to, of course, run down 287 so that we're all on the same page about what it is that happened. Israel Adesanya KO'd Alex Pereira in the second round of their middleweight title rematch. Gilbert Burns took Jorge Masvidal to a unanimous decision victory. Rob Font would put away Adrian Yanez in the first three minutes. Kevin Holland KO'd Santiago Ponzinibbio more than halfway through the third in their fight. And Christian Rodriguez derailed the Raul Rosas Jr. hype train with a UD win in the main card opener. The prelims had some great fights on them. In particular, you're going to want to go back and watch Gastelum versus Curtis. It is an early contender for fight of the year. Alright, now that we've gone through what it is that took place, let's run the numbers on this thing to see if we can't learn a bit more. The UFC's first trip to Miami in 20 years saw 12 fights with 5 KOTKOs and 7 decisions for a total cage time of 2 hours 19 minutes 25 seconds. 8 favorites and 4 dogs prevailed on the night including a stunner in Rob Font at plus 1800 to get that first-round KO. Talk about a return to form. Izzy had almost identical stats to his first fight with Whitaker, where he captured the title initially. 40 and 41 significant strikes landed respectively, a KO-TKO victory within 48 seconds of each other in the second round. Lightning does indeed strike twice. That was the first true KO loss of Pereira's entire combat sports career. He's never been knocked out like that, only TKO'd. Gilbert Burns landed the most takedowns of any fight in his career with four, earning him our Country Boy Award. Jorge Masvidal retired with 52 pro fights going back 20 years. Sadly, the only two times he got to fight in Miami in his entire career would be losses. That was the ninth first round finish for Rob Font and the first ever stoppage loss for Yanez. Kevin Holland has had 19 fights going back to the Contender Series in 2018, earning him our Busybody Award. And finally, Raul Rosas Jr. has landed a total of five significant strikes in his two UFC outings where he is now one and one. But while the stats are fun and all, let's talk about what really happened tonight. Chris Curtis had one of the best analogies this week about the Adesanya-Pereira rivalry. This man has created his own boogeyman. You see, the, you guys see the thing where I said he only came to MMA because Izzy said like he's going be forgotten. Nobody cares about him. So he followed him. I'm like, this guy took your life in kickboxing. You left to make a new life and he he followed you out of like spite. He has a personal boogeyman and I fucking feel for him. But like, that's a terrifying thought. Everything you do, like Alex Ferrer is like looking over your shoulder, like fucking Michael Myers in the background of Izzy's life. But Alex is the boogeyman no more after last night, even if they had. Have- have a fifth fight, even if Adesanya isn't able to defeat him again, this idea that Alex was this cursed opponent for him, insurmountable no matter what, he just had his number as many said, that is no longer the case. Adesanya needed to win in impressive fashion as well in order for that to be true. He couldn't just have another stellar but unexciting performance like Cannoneer or Batori. He needed to prove that he could beat this man and do so in that incredible way that captured so many in his early career, and he did just that. You honestly couldn't have asked for a better knowledge. Knockout, especially the manner in which he set it up, allowing Alex to rush in before surprising him with that shot that put him away instantly. It's arguably the best win of Izzy's career and the greatest highlight, the arrows afterwards just as iconic as his celebration after KOing Whitaker. All the prestige he carried into the first fight that was in Jeopardy and on the line at 287 has returned along with the middleweight crown and his place as an all-time great champion in the sport. It was everything that it needed to be. And while that's all great and his post-fight speech was very very inspirational, this isn't the end of a movie. There's no fade to black and credits. So what happens now? Prior to Alex's arrival in the main event scene, Stylebender already had a problem with contenders as he'd cleared out the division. Sean Strickland could of course be fun given all the talk that would take place, but he's 1-2 in his last three and it would be a hard sell in terms of competitiveness. Duplessis isn't in the top five yet either and needs another win. While Hamzat seems like an obvious choice, not really. He would have a better argument as a welterweight contender, honestly. His last, middle, weight victory was Gerald mirshard in 2020, but I could see the UFC forcing that one. If they don't though, I think you have to make that third Pereira fight, the fifth overall in their saga together. This truly is one of the best rivalries the sport has ever seen, especially now after Izzy getting that victory. I do want to see them fight again, but I don't want to see it right away, and while it's true they have exchanged KOs, I think the rivalry would be served better if there was a little bit more build-up until the next one, but given that there's so few options, they honestly may not have a choice. No matter what though, a fifth one seems inevitable, and I hope we do get it, and it needs to be at the top. We don't want this one down the line too far where neither man is champion. I don't know what to do, I'm not Hunter Campbell, but yeah, they've got some thinking to do at middleweight. 287 also saw the end of Gamebred. Truly a remarkable career any way you look at it. I mean, the guy's done it all. He fought in every major US promotion during his 20-year career. Bellator, Strikeforce, the UFC, yearned title shots in the latter two promotions. Had one of the best years in the history of the sport, especially when you consider that he wasn't even a title holder that 2019 will likely never be replicated. It's even more amazing when you consider how late into his career it all happened. And while it is sad to see such an interesting character go, he's leaving the fight game with truckloads of money, and this does seem like the right time. So really, what more could a fighter want? Gilbert Burns sadly didn't do enough to steal that title shot from Colby, but it sounds like Dana's willing to give him a spot as a backup. Fuck Bilal Muhammad, I guess. Those two paired up would make a lot of sense, although it sounds like they might be putting Muhammad with Usman. Anyway, you look at it, I think waiting around on either end would be a bad idea, especially with killers like Shopkot in the wings. They probably need to fight each other or get another big time win. It just is what it is. Colby's getting that shot. And so Burns and Bilal are going to have to find ways to occupy themselves until it's their time. All right, now that we've touched on all the big stuff, let's wrap up our discussion of 287 with some odds and ends. Kevin Holland needed a win bad after that bizarre Wonderboy performance, and he got it in impressive fashion against a guy that at one point people thought would be a title contender. Where he goes from here though, now that his fight week rival Masvidal is retired, I do not know, but he proved that he's still a top guy, as did Rob Font. What an absolute statement of a win to put away a guy like Yanez in that fashion. Font had been largely written off after his losses to Aldo and Vera, but this puts him right back in the mix. The Rosas Jr. hype was a bit much in retrospect, but the good thing is with a three-rounder like that, he can reset, learn, and then move forward on a much more realistic pace. Rodriguez, as an opponent, was a lot better than people were giving him credit for, and he proved that when push came to shove on fight night in a really high-pressure situation. Rosas like Aaron Pico, Sage Northcutt, and Felipe Nover fell victim to being pushed too soon. Not that that was the reason for the loss, but the pressure is ramped up like crazy with that kind of hype. Losing might've been the best thing that could've happened to him at this point in his career. You know who never takes any L's though? The editor of this video, Max Randall. He's undefeated and undisputed, which is why he's able to get these autopsies out so fast after the card. Be sure to thank him by following him on social media and sending him a lovely message. Like and subscribe as well because it helps us crush our enemies. What is next for Izzy? Do you want to see a fifth and final fight with Alex? What is Adesanya's legacy after last night? Play matchmaker, play Dana White. Let us know all your thoughts on the night and this video in the comments below. I love reading them and sometimes I even reply if I'm feeling froggy. Thanks so much for watching guys. Another great pay-per-view. Hard to say that 2023 has been anything but awesome so far. We'll see if they can keep this up. Peace, I'm out of here.